and slayers this is mixtress ray and you're listening to what's this bitch talking about to which the answer to that question is usually every episode of buffy the vampire slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date but since it's the summer we're going to talk about movies fucking finally it's the end of july and i'm finally recording (laughs) it's been since may 23rd was my last um podcast episode so It's been a couple of months. I have not been absent from the internet. Those of y'all that may know me from other places, I've been, lately I've been posting an obscene amount of videos on YouTube. It's like this last week I've posted like four videos in the week. Um, And it's just because pretty much if I'm not doing tarot readings for people or at work or um, recording for my weekly radio show slash podcast, I'm spending my spare time doing YouTube videos. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of tarot VRs and stuff like that, and it's been a lot of fun. But um, for those of you that just listened to this podcast, I have been silent for over two months. (laughs) I'm definitely not actually silent, though, because I'm constantly talking to some kind of recording device alone in my closet. So, hi. How are you guys? I hope you are well. Um... I watched Donnie Darko, it's been over a week now, and I haven't recorded yet. Usually, as some of y'all know, I typically, I will hit record right after watching something. Um, That's usually how I roll. So I don't even know how I'm going to talk about Donnie Darko because I watched it at this point. It's been like eight or nine days since I watched it. So I watched it at at um, a friend's house who has a projector. So um, we were able to um, watch it on the big screen, kind of. Um, okay. First of all, I just want to say I am not the person to talk about Donnie Darko. My overall impression of Donnie Darko. Okay, so first of all, my history with the movie. Let's pretend we're the Bechtel cast. <laughs> my history with this movie is that... Um, I have seen it probably twice, um, once probably when it came out and then, which is 2001 because I'm reviewing, um, in the summer, if this is your first summer with me, um, I usually try to spend the summers that we're off from talking about Buffy, talking about movies that are 20 years old, since I usually talk about the Buffy episodes as they hit 20. Um, so it's, I probably saw this movie when it first came out. I probably saw it again at some point during my relationship with my Michael when we've been together since 2006. So I would have seen it in the first few years we were together most likely because it's been a long ass time. It's been at least over 10 years since I've seen this movie. And my impressions of it back in the day were, okay, I think this movie's probably deep, but I don't get it. And then my impressions watching it a week ago, it was basically, okay, this movie thinks it's deep, but I don't get it. This movie probably has, as my friend Jody said that I watched it with, so credit to her for this observation. She's like, I can tell there's a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. I can tell that this is the kind of movie that if you watch over and over and over, you're going to get all these little Easter eggs everywhere. You're going to get all the little things that, that the filmmakers put in to be like, Ooh, look, they did this because blah, blah, blah. Or that bunny is in the background in this one scene, or that person was wearing a blah, blah, blah on their t-shirt or whatever. To me, my overall impression after watching it was was just kind of like an exaggerated, exasperated sigh. Like, this is one of those movies that rewards you for watching it repeatedly. And sometimes I like that. I like a movie that you can get it 
on first watch. And then if you watch it over and over, you can go deeper and deeper into it. Whereas this is the type of movie that rewards you for watching it over and over for a different reason. This is the type of movie that rewards you for watching it over and over so that you can get all the little so smart things that the filmmakers put into it. And my impressions coming away from it, you know, the three times that I've watched it in my life have always been the same. Like, okay, I don't know what that was, but it thinks it's smart. Or maybe I'm not smart enough to get it. That's what I thought the first two times I saw it. And now that I'm older, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So the reason why I don't get it is because I don't care to watch it 47 times, you know? So no shade if you are a person that really loves Donnie Darko and you have watched it 47 times and you've gotten something out of that experience. Really seriously, no shade. I just can't with this type of movie. The type of movie that is not clear on what it is unless you watch like a YouTube ending explained kind of thing. A movie that wants you to think that it's super deep and uh, I just can't, you know, I just can't. So I did end up watching and I would highly recommend, you know, if you're wanting to understand what the filmmakers want you to understand about the concepts buried within Donnie Darko, um, just Google like, you know, Donnie Darko ending explained or whatever. Cause I did watch one. I watched a really super old video on the take back when they were called like screen prism or something. I can't remember what they used to be. Their channel name used to be something else, but so it's an older video, but, um, I watched that and essentially what I got from it is not only is this movie about like an alternate universe thing, but it's about tangent universes. So essentially how I understand it is that at the beginning of the movie, the throughout the entire movie, what you're seeing is a tangent universe. And basically sometimes something will happen and a tangent universe will begin and it will move alongside the regular universe and tangent universes have an expiration date. So the whole thing that we were watching was a tangent universe and at the end was the expiration date of the tangent universe. And somehow Donnie Darko figured out how to send himself back to the beginning of the original timeline and prevent the tangent universe from happening by letting himself die when the jet engine fell on him. But it also looked like he was the one that was causing the jet engine. So it's a whole time loop confusion thing in any case. That's my overall impression of Donnie Darko. And I really could stop talking right now, but I'm going to go ahead and look at my notes just to see if there was anything else that we should talk about because a 10 minute podcast is kind of silly, right? <laughs> I kept telling myself, okay, I don't really want to talk about Donnie Darko. So maybe I just need to watch another movie and then I can have a Donnie Darko intro and then talk about a different movie. But I haven't watched another movie yet. And I'm sick of waiting to say hi to you guys. It's been two months. So I'm going to go ahead and drag out this Donnie Darko conversation a little bit longer. And um, let's just go ahead and uh, touch base on how long is it actually going to be before we start talking about Buffy again. How much time do I have now that I've broken the seal of talking about movies? Finally. I always take such a long um, break in between. Okay, so our first episode of Buffy we will not be talking about until October 2nd. So we still have... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, essentially. All of August, all of September, kind of nine weeks because we're in the last week of July right now as I record this. So I'm probably, not, I mean, for sure, I'm not going to do one movie <laughs> a week, most likely. 
but hopefully now that I've broken the seal, I can do one movie every other week. I'm still planning to watch Bandits and Legally Blonde and Ghost World and others as well from 2001. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm still planning to do the thing. I just haven't started the thing yet. So let's start it with Donnie Darko. <laughs> Why not? So, okay, I'm just going to read my notes. Riding bike in jammies. Rude dad. Bored mom. Where is Donnie? Political conversations at dinner. Fuck ass. Suck a duck. Suck a fuck. Fuck ass and suck a fuck were two things that um, the Hall siblings in this movie were saying to each other at the, at the kitchen table. He stopped taking his meds. Mom asks, where do you go at night? But then he does take his meds. <laughs> Creepy voice gets him out of bed. Sleepwalking. 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds until the world ends. So that's the end. The end of the world countdown that the Creepy Bunny does is um, just the end of the Tangent Universe. The Tangent Universe's expiration date is apparently the length of a menstrual cycle. I don't know, whatever. Um, there's an earthquake. There's an airplane engine that drops into his room. Donnie is doomed. Um, everybody is rude to the chubby Asian girl. Um, soundtrack is good. Okay, so that's the biggest takeaway from Donnie Darko. Is that the score is amazing. I love it. I actually listen to it. Like, the score is familiar to me, whereas the movie really is not. The Also, the soundtrack is really good. You know, you got Tears for Fears and, like, other stuff as well. It's... There's a lot of, like, great casting in this movie. Like, there's so many people in this movie that I did not remember being there. Like, Patrick Swayze and Seth Rogen and Drew Barrymore and, like other recognizable faces beyond like Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal, obviously. Um, there's, it, there's so many tropes too in this movie though. The whole, like, I think Drew Barrymore might've produced the movie too. Um, but there's this whole, like, you know, she's a teacher. And of course, every time there's a teacher in a high school, the subjects that are being taught in the literature class in a high school is of course, somehow pertinent to the plot of the movie. I didn't pay enough attention to try to analyze that. Um, <laughs> one of those movies that like one of my notes was, do we have to say his full name? It's kind of like how in Veronica Mars, like everybody, every character always calls her Veronica Mars as if people in your normal life are calling you by your full name. Like everybody called Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko. Um, this did make me want to watch S. Darko, which is the sequel, which is his, like, his youngest sister, not Maggie Gyllenhaal, but the other sister in the movie. Um, when she grows up, I guess she has a similar experience. I remember really liking that movie. Um, but again, it's been close to, you know, it's been 15 years or so before I, since I've seen that. So um, I'd be interested in watching S. Darko to see see how that one is. Um, probably it's bad, but it, hopefully it's so bad it's good. I might pref I remember preferring it to Donnie Darko at the time, um, but I don't know why I preferred it. Um, we have a psychologist. So you know, the whole movie, you're like, okay, what's wrong with this kid? Is he going to shoot up a school? What's going on with this kid? He's definitely fucked up. He's definitely not okay. But it's kind of progressive how mental health is handled in this movie. Progressive for its time. It's not progressive for now. But um, I feel like the psychologist in this movie was actually being portrayed as trying to help him. His mom was really kind of a sympathetic, understanding mom. She wasn't, she wasn't spouting a bunch of cliches at him. She wasn't yelling at him all the time. She was really trying to understand him and help him. And he was extremely open with the psychologist. He was extremely open with everyone in his life. He was portrayed as a very smart character. So like, 
even though this movie annoys me for how deep it thinks it is, it is not a bad movie. Um, there's this whole plot line with Patrick Swayze's character. He's kind of like a motivational speaker slash religious cult leader type. He, um, he turns out to be like a pedophile. There's this whole thing with the tangent universe at the, so I'm jumping way ahead, but like at the very end, one of the last shots in the movie is once the tangent universe has been, um, eradicated because he went back in time and let himself die instead of avoiding the airplane engine falling into his bedroom or whatever the fuck. Um, there's like this moment where a lot of the characters that he, that were directly affected by the tangent universe, you're seeing them kind of like laying in bed, sort of looking around confused as if they have some kind of awareness of the tangent universe, but now they're back at the beginning of the timeline in the original universe. So nothing that happened in the movie actually has happened, but the people that were directly affected in the tangent universe have this sort of look of knowing in this little montage when Tears for Fears Mad World is playing. You know, the more recent, slower version of the Tears for Fears Mad World. You know, the iconic movie from this, the, the iconic song from the soundtrack. When that is playing, they're all like, ha they have that look of knowing. And so you're left with, okay, do they remember the Tangent Universe? But it means that everything that was done in the Tangent Universe is undone, which means the one thing that happened, because Donnie Darko was constantly doing things to exact some kind of justice, and sometimes it was for a reason that made sense, and sometimes it wasn't. And one of the things of justice that he did was he, like, burned down um, Patrick Swayze's house. Patrick, the character, whatever that fucking character's name. I'm just going to call him Patrick Swayze. When he burned down his house, it was revealed that he had, like, some child porn dungeon. Like, they didn't even go into, like, what that means. That's just kind of how they referred to it. And then he was taken to prison. Um, so once the Tangent Universe was undone, that justice was also undone. But he looked guilty and he was crying, so are we supposed to feel better about that situation? I don't... that was weird. Um, and the other things that Donnie Darko did didn't really necessarily... there wasn't a thread that I understood. Like, he broke the water main in the school. What was the point of that? So he could meet that girlfriend. It was almost like he was going through the tangent universe as if he already knew that he needed to kill himself at the end to restore the original timeline. It's like he was going through the tangent universe with full awareness of everything that was going on. So he didn't care anymore. So he broke the water main in the school. Why was he omniscient? I don't know. Because he knew that that motivational speaker, Patrick Swayze guy, was doing terrible sex predator things so he exposed him by burning down his house but he also broke the water main in the school just so he could walk that girl home and then end up having a relationship with her before he died it's like he was omniscient it's like he was some kind of savior character i i don't know why except white guy of course he's a savior character I think the implications that this movie wants you to think that this kid is just like super smart and he's a savior and he say he's gonna sacrifice himself to save everyone else. It's very much a Christ narrative, and they're not gonna explain why anything. They're not gonna give you any explanations for why he knows all this shit, or even if he does know all this shit. The, this is just one of those movies that wants you to ask all the questions after you watch it. This is just one of those movies that wants you to be confused when you finish watching it. And the older I get, the less patience I have for that kind of bullshit. It's just like, just give me a straight up narrative. You can make me think all you want. I love thinky movies. I love psychological thrillers and things like that. But don't leave me with a mountain of questions at the end. 
you know, set up some questions and give me some possible answers, even if you're not going to give me the full answer, you know, I don't know. That's just how I feel about that. <laughs> so it took me a little bit too long into the movie to realize I was like, I was thinking, okay, this movie came out in 2001. Why is everyone dressing like it's the early nineties? Because it's said in October, 1988. I don't know why I missed that at the beginning of the movie, but it, when I finally wrote it down, we, I was like a third of the way through the movie before I realized what was going on. Uh, okay. Oh, I really didn't like, there was a scene when Donnie Darko shows up and saves the new girl from the sexual predator guys. It was like that scene in Tu Wong Fu when the townies are surrounding, um, uh, P to the R to the N to the Cess, that character, <laughs> what was her name? whatever, John Leguizamo's character. Whenever the townies are surrounding John Leguizamo's character and they're about to like rape her and it's really gross, um, that's, it's, it's basically that exact same scene. There's, you know, the bully kids in the school are surrounding her and they're being really, really rapey. And Donnie Darko shows up to walk her home and save her from that scenario. And I just fucking hate that shit. It's just like, that's how you have to set up that we're supposed to trust this character and think that he's a good guy and think that he's on the moral side of right. This is how we're supposed to, this is what you choose to show us so that we will like this character. And we're supposed to automatically want him to get the girl because of this moment, because he has the basic decency to kind of like help derail a situation where people are being rapey. That's just common goodness. Okay. I just, ugh, I hated that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Oh, I just wrote down something that he said to her in that first, in that walk when he was walking her home. Actually, I accidentally burned this house down once <laughs> and I just wrote red flags, but she still says yes when he asks her out. Um, I thought, even though generally I thought that that psychiatrist was trying to do right by Donnie Dark, it was a surprisingly okay portrayal of a psychiatrist in a movie or psychologist in a movie from, you know, 2001. But the fact that she suggests hypnosis to a kid like this, to a kid that's having like dissociative um, states or what, maybe that's not the right term, but like the sleepwalking and all of, and he's definitely having like, you know, delusions for sure. If, if somebody, I mean, maybe this is, I didn't go all the way in my psychologist training. I only have an undergraduate degree, but I just feel like you would not do something like hypnosis for somebody that's going through what Donnie Darko is going through. Cause that would be, that would possibly just send him into one of those states, right? And of course the portrayal of hypnosis is that like, as soon as she decides they're doing hypnosis, he's fully, fully hypnotized, fully under. Um, and you know, that whole, like, he's about to like masturbate during hypnosis. I was like, do we really need this? Do we really need this? And as, um, my Michael said, they let him go way too far before she clapped her hands. So that seemed kind of weird. And like, I, w I kept wondering if, like the psychologist was going to take some kind of advantage of Donnie Darko in these scenarios. I mean, she never did, but it just, that whole thing made me uncomfortable. Um, there's just this whole fucking conversation with like Smurfs being asexual. And then one of the characters saying, what's the point in living if you don't have a dick and like, what was that fucking conversation? I think it was in that take video that I watched the ending explained video where like somebody said that this was like the most Quentin Tarantino conversation ever, not in a Quentin Tar Tarantino movie, that whole Smurfs, Smurf sexuality or whatever, which was a really gross conversation. Gross. 
I just, I don't think I'll ever watch Donnie Darko again. And it's, and it's not really because I hated it. Like, I think there were some interesting aspects of it, but because it didn't, it didn't get its hooks in me when I first watched it. Like, I can totally understand if you're listening to this and Donnie Darko is an important movie to you because you watched it over and over when it first came out. Like, I definitely have movies like that, that like, if I saw them now, I would be like, meh, not for me. Also problematic, moving on with my life. But some movies got their hooks in me early. You know, things like American Beauty, like I definitely, I have not been able to watch it since everything went down with, um, what's his face? The main character of that movie, Kevin something. Why am I forgetting his name right now? Anyway, it doesn't matter. You guys know who I'm talking about. I haven't been able to watch it since then. And I know there's a lot of problematic aspects of American Beauty, but it got its hooks in me early. So it's a movie that, like, I could potentially revisit someday because it has, I have an emotional attachment to it from my past, you know? Um, okay, where are we? Frank is Donnie Darko's dark passenger. <laughs> that was my biggest, biggest insight from the whole thing. Um, and if, you don't know the term dark passenger. It's what Dexter, the serial killer, uh, calls his like urge to kill. He personifies it as a dark passenger. Um, shout out to like, I guess this isn't a shout out, but just, I've been thinking lately because we're about to enter season six of Buffy. So that means we have season six, season seven, and then I'm probably going to spend a year talking about season five of Angel because I do think I have enough to say to do that. Um, so we're not like close to me not having things to talk about on this podcast, but I'm just wondering what's next. And one of the things I've thought about in the past is Veronica Mars, but I don't think I want to watch Veronica Mars critically. I just think that it would fall apart if I did that, and I want to just enjoy it. I want to just sit back and enjoy it. I am listening to a Veronica Mars recap podcast right now um, called Veronica Mars Investigated, I think is what it's called. I might be wrong. It's the same. It's one of the same people that does the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast, Um and listening to them analyze it, I enjoy listening to them talk about it, but I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to bring anything to this conversation that they haven't already said, and I could save myself a lot of work by not doing that. So I don't think it's going to be Veronica Mars, but I've been thinking maybe Dexter. I definitely have a lot to say about Dexter. Dexter is my mom's favorite show. I know she would love it if I did this. So, and she's one of my She's pretty much my number one podcast fan, is my mom. Hi, mom. So, um, I think Dexter might be next. Let me know what you guys think about that. Um, you got three, three years to let me know what you think. Because, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a while. But I am already thinking about it. Um, it's not going to be a 20 years later thing with Dexter, I don't think. Hold on, let me look up when was the first episode of Dexter. Ooh, it was 2006. So if I go as planned, I will finish talking about season five of Angel in 2024. So I could just like, I don't know, take a little bit of a break and or talk about movies or whatever for like a year. And then in 2026, <laughs> we could start the 20 years later of Dexter. Okay. Like, obviously, I'm getting way the fuck ahead of myself, but that sounds like a legit plan. What do you guys think? Let me know. No no hurry or anything. <laughs> I'm letting me know what you think about that. Okay, let's fucking talk about stupid Donnie Darko. Okay. I did have a question at some point. Are the pills doing this to him? Like, what... Basically, I just wanted to know, what does the movie want us to think about, like drugs that people take for mental health. I was afraid that the movie was going to go down a road of like taking your medication fucks you up, but it didn't really, 
like everything else in this movie, this movie does not take a stand. This movie does not take a side. This movie does not tell you any kind of answers. So I was afraid that it was going to be talking about, like, you know, that narrative of, like, don't take the meds because they make you numb. And, you know, it's important to bring up, we're going to have so many discussions about mental health as we talk about season six of Buffy, but it's important to note that everything is a spectrum, just like that, like, scale from fear to love <laughs> that they were talking about. Um on the chalkboard in association with Patrick Swayze's character. Like everything is either fear or love. Um, on the continuum of to take mental health drugs or to not take mental health drugs. Of course, certain drugs are not going to be good for you. Certain drugs are going to be good for you, but not for someone else. Um, certain amounts of drugs are going to be good for you and not for someone else. Medicating is very nuanced finding the right combination of something that works for you or maybe you are a person that like meds are not the path for you but maybe you're a person where meds are the path for you like it's a very nuanced discussion so this movie decides to not even really go into that discussion at all although I was afraid they were making the don't take your meds parallel or because I felt like he looked like he was taking whatever meds he was prescribed. But as soon as he took them, he would see the bunny. So I was like, okay, are the meds giving him his delusions? Does the movie want us to think that? Again, I have no idea what the movie wants me to think. Because I haven't watched it 87 times like the movie wants me to. So whatever. Um, I did like... Donnie Darko's little speech whenever they were talking about like either you can choose love or you can choose fear and every scenario fits into either love or fear whenever um I do like his sort of like rant to the teacher about how things are not that binary like you can't just say that everything fits into one of those two categories that's not the way the world works so that was kind of nice and insightful that was like a little bit of a stand that the movie took <laughs> right there um, all the conversations between Donnie Dargo and Noah Wiley's character, who I, what, the whole like, yes, time travel, I will lend you this book. Don't tell anyone that you borrowed it. Um, theoretically, this is what time travel is like. And he was the one that disseminated all the information that Donnie Dargo, how he knew how to time travel to, to prevent the tangent universe or whatever the fuck it's just like this is stupid this is so stupid like any of us believe that noah wiley has the answers to time travel like no <laughs> anyway um grandma death's character i do think it was interesting that like she got some depth added to her character she wasn't just the old crazy lady there she actually wrote the book on time travel, literally. Um, so th I feel like there was something there, but there... I did not watch the director's cut, so it seems like... I'm pretty sure I have like an old DVD copy of Donnie Darko. I don't think it had the director's cut on it, or else I probably would have chose that option, because it seems like there were a lot of deleted scenes that made more sense of the movie. So it's possible that I need to backtrack on everything that I've said about this movie, asking more questions than it answers and blah, 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 because it's possible that for whatever reason, the theatrical release deleted a bunch of pertinent information. It seems like that is the case, although I did not see the director's cut, so I don't know how much more sense it would have made. And that would, and I didn't even know that there was a director's cut until after I'd already watched the theatrical release that I have on my DVD last weekend, and I don't care enough to watch it again. So I'm just letting you guys know. <sighs> I just totally forgot until this moment. Oh yeah, there's a director's cut. Um, so I do like that, you know, it was a woman that wrote the book on time travel, Roberta Sparrow, a.k.a. Grandma Death. Um, she whispers in his ear at some point, every living creature on earth dies alone. Like, okay, 
stupid fucking riddles, whatever. I don't know. This There was a whole like debate between Noah Wiley and Donnie Darko about God and if you knew and how he started like seeing people's like, what was that thing? What was the, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, what was the thing? It was like this, like, globby penis tube thing that showed people's path. Like, if they were going to go to the bridge to get a beer, you could see, like, a tunnel, like, portal where they just got up and followed it, like, as if they didn't have a choice in their paths or something. I didn't understand what we were supposed to get from that whole bullshit, but whatever. Um, I wrote, Dad is a Donnie Darko apologist. Detachment from reality. Daylight hallucinations. I didn't realize until watching the take talking about the ending explained that that, like, guy that was, like, kind of watching them in like a sweatsuit or something is supposed to be an FBI guy. I didn't get that watching the movie, but whatever. Um, he calls the Patrick Swayze character a fucking anarchist during like a school seminar. I did feel like, you know, the Donnie Darko character seems like he's reaching out to people, seems like he was being pretty psychologically aware of his situation. He was telling people how he felt pretty readily, like way more so than you would expect a teenage kid. That was interesting. It was just an interesting take how he was being very honest about his situation. Like, again, I think the handling of mental health in this movie was not good, but it was not necessarily bad. In 2001, mental health portrayals being somewhat neutral is actually pretty progressive, I would say. Um, heart chakra's life path. I don't know why I wrote that. Is that what I was calling the little the little tunnels from people's chests that were driving them on or whatever? Um, infants need darkness. Yeah. I thought that was interesting when they were talking about the, like, the presentation in school, the school presentation that Donnie Dargo and his girlfriend did, where it was, like, some kind of thing that showed positive imagery while kids were sleeping so that they would remember their childhoods later on in life. And then the, the teacher was like, but what if infants need darkness you know what if you're not supposed to like feed them imagery while they're sleeping maybe they need time away from stimuli i i really liked that i was like yeah please please do not hook me up to some kind of machine dream machine while i'm asleep come on no <laughs> um the double feature at the movies was evil dead and the last temptation of christ um we are losing these kids to apathy. That's what Drew Barrymore says as she's getting fired. And we don't actually get a good um, explanation for why she's being fired because she doesn't like the like religious rhetoric that the people in the administration were falling for or something. I don't know. So the quote of the movie is when like the, the teacher that was the super like religious lady. She reminded me of, um, Carrie White's mom and Carrie kind of, um, she's having like a confrontation with Donnie Darko's mom. And she says, she's talking about the, the youngest daughter's dance troupe that her daughter was also involved in. She was trying to get Donnie Darko's mom to like go on this trip with the dance team or whatever. And the quote of the movie is when she says to her, sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. 
I just, I don't know why that sentence just amuses me a lot. Um, this was a note I had. Some adults, surprisingly, competent <laughs> in this movie. They were. Like, the mom character, they really, you know, they showed her really giving a shit about her son and really wanting to do the right thing, even though she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to help him, but she was doing her best. And there was this one scene where, like, I don't remember the exact exchange, but it was something to the extent of he was like, how does it feel to have, like, a crazy son or something like that? And she's like, it feels great. And she just, like, really was trying to encourage him. She was really trying to, like... It, normally in a movie like this, the mother would be shown complaining about the burden that her child is putting on her because of their mental health struggles. You know, they would really make the mom out to be a bitch, usually in this scenario, back at this time period. But they didn't do that with her, and I really thought that was cool. Um, Slow-mo, just did it, walked down the stairs. That was weird. It was like, why? Like... Donnie Darko loses his virginity, I think, we are to assume, to his girlfriend at a party, and then they're, like, walking down the stairs in slow motion. <laughs> like, okay. So, I think it was suggested in the take video that I watched that something about the fact that he had had sex unlocked more of his powers or something. Like, maybe he had to do that in order to be able to finish his savior journey or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Anyway, does it pass the Bechtel test? Yes, it does. Mostly because of scenes where the mother is talking to one of her daughters. Um, that might be it. I don't think we see... I think there was a conversation at some point between the psychologist and Donnie Darko's mom... And they're not always talking about Donnie Darko. I, so I think it does pass. I'm pretty sure. I can't think of a specific instance of what they were talking about and which two characters. But I do think the movie passes the Bechdel test at some point. Um, my next note is fucking Firebird ran over Gretchen. Frank is the driver. Frank the bunny. Um, so the whole time, like, he's being visited by this bunny this demon bunny, and it's actually a costume that this kid makes whose name is Frank. And so we don't meet him until this moment, but this is the end of the Tangent Universe. And the whole time, the bunny character was so... And then Donnie Darko kills him because he has a gun, because the bunny showed him where to get the gun. It's up. I don't know, whatever. Why am I trying to explain it. Fran Kranz was in the car with Frank. He is one of the cutest boys ever. He played um, Topher on Dollhouse and he was also the like stoner guy in Cabin in the Woods. I have not seen him in many things but he's one of the only boys that I think is cute on TV or movies. There's a very small lift, list of boys that I genuinely think are super cute, and he is one of them. Um, there's this whole, like, at the end of the movie, there's, like, a voiceover of, like, a letter that Donnie Darko wrote to Roberta, a.k.a. Grandma Death. And, you know, the whole introduction of her character is that she's constantly checking the mailbox. Like, she'll walk away from it. For a few seconds and then she'll come back and like the whole narrative was that she's so crazy she thinks someone's gonna write her every two seconds and it's because of this time travel thing because she knew that this letter was gonna show up at some point i guess but she just didn't know when so she just kept checking because it's a, it's a lake house sandra bullock keanu reeves situation where the letter just shows up in the mailbox because of time travel reasons i don't know again the movie did not really explain it well it just kind of like threw that in there that there was some kind of letter anyway whatever um he sacrifices himself we're at the end of the movie now um i did enjoy this moment of like so Tangent Universe has been destroyed, which means they go back to the very beginning of the timeline. 
um, which means the girlfriend character never even met Donnie Darko because we're at the beginning of the menstrual cycle now. <laughs> we're at the beginning of the 28 days. And um, so she has this moment where she's riding by on her bike. She's the new kid in the neighborhood and she's, you know, she sees the destruction from the engine falling into their house and somebody like one of the other neighbor kids tells her what's going on that like his neighbor, Donnie Darko was killed when this engine fell in their house, whatever. And then she has this moment where she sees Donnie Darko's mom in the yard, kind of leaning against a tree dealing with the trauma of the situation, you know, looking kind of out of it like you would. And she just sort of looks at her and waves. And it's like this genuine, interesting moment of recognition between these two characters, even though the Donnie Darko girlfriend chick, sorry, I'm not remembering her name, um, a whole human being in her own right, Donnie Darko's girlfriend that wasn't actually her girlfriend because at this point they're at the beginning of the timeline and she's never met him so she's never met him she doesn't know this mom character but there's like this moment of like they wave at each other and it looks like just a human genuine human connection moment where like you know to me I wanted to interpret it as you know the kid was recognizing the trauma of the situation that a mother of a kid that was just killed by a freak accident, she was recognizing that trauma and she was, it was just a moment of human beings recognizing each other, right? And the mom looking and seeing some random kid and knowing that that kid knows what's going on. And it's, it was just a moment of compassion and recognition. That's all I wanted it to be. Although when I watched that take video, they were saying that 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 moment was so profound because in some way the the girlfriend actually remembers the tangent universe and so she remembers this mom and the mom remembers her and like i didn't want to see it that way because i wanted it to just be a genuine human connection moment because those moments happen when you're in trauma other people that don't know you at all come out of the woodwork and help you that's a thing humanity is the thing. And I just wanted that moment to be humanity. That's all I wanted. Um, and then my very last note was you could chew on it if you wanted to, which is just my basic summation of the entire movie. One of the things that I thought was like, is this Frank guy, did he orchestrate this entire thing? Because he was the one that created this bunny costume that was visiting Donnie Dargo and telling him to do things throughout the movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't really want to know. So let's do our ratings. Outfit of the movie. Drew Barrymore had a couple of good ones. She had like situations where she was wearing like a hippie skirt with an 80s belt. And like at one point she was wearing these like Isis earrings or something. Um, I'm not visualizing it correctly because it's been eight days since I watched it, but I, I know she had some good outfits. So Drew Barrymore's character as the teacher, whatever her name was, she wins outfit of the episode, outfit of the movie. Object of the episode. So y'all know I like to pluck an object out of whatever it is we're talking about to keep for myself because I'm very materialistic. Um, and I just wrote, Drew's Isis earrings. Even though I can't properly visualize them at the moment, I remember they were really cool. Um, they look like scarab earrings or like winged Isis or something. They were dangly and silver and beautiful and yeah, they were cool. MVP of the episode, I'm giving it to Donnie Darko's mom because she really was, you know, she had a very troubled kid that would disappear in the middle of the night and he was for sure connected to burning houses down and you know whatever whatever there was some seriously fucked up shit going on with her son and she was doing the best she could to make sure that and they also didn't portray her as like the only caregiver like the dad was like not super helpful necessarily but he was a part of the whole thing you know they weren't portraying the dad as being uninvolved um, they were portraying the dad as, you know, trying the best that he could, just doing it in a different way. Um, but 
yeah, I would definitely say MVP is Donnie Darko's mom. Um, five by five ratings. I never even filled that out. As far as just like, again, I, I, even though I sound like I didn't like it and I definitely don't want to watch it ever again, it's one of those movies that I think a lot of, especially dudes back in the day would say is their favorite movie because they thought it was so profound. You know, it's, it's the cliche for me. Sometimes I think that when somebody doesn't understand a movie, they think that means it's profound. Therefore they think it's good. <laughs> I would say this movie is neutral, not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. I don't, I mean, it might be good and I just don't get it, but I'm not going to decide I love it just because I didn't get it. And I think people do that sometimes. I think people pretend to get things that they didn't get, that they assume are profound because they didn't get them. And then they act like they're cool by saying it's their favorite movie. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I think a lot of dudes that I, I think probably most of the dudes that I've dated would have thought that they loved Donnie Darko, but it's not a movie that they watched all the time. It's not a movie that they had intellectual conversations about. It's just a movie that they didn't understand. Therefore they thought was profound. Therefore they should like it. And they want people to think they're cool for saying they like it. You know, anyway, I'm hammering that point home a little too much. So I'm going to shut up now. Hey, guess what? I talked about Donnie Darko for 50 minutes. Wow. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Somehow I can talk about anything for long periods of time. Thank you guys for listening. Um, again, no promises as to when I will come back to talk about the next movie. And I don't know what the next movie is going to be. I do have tentative or tentative is not the right word. Um, they're just not completely, the details aren't nailed down, but the next movie I'm going to watch with my friends that have the projector is um, Bandits. I think I'm pretty sure we decided that's what we're going to go with for the next one. And bandits is a movie that's very underappreciated and I really, really love. So it's been a while since I've seen it. So hopefully it holds up. Um, so that's probably the next one I'm going to talk about unless we can't meet for a little while. And then I might just, you know, watch something on my own and talk to you guys about it before then. But, um, yeah, hopefully I'll be back at least in the next couple of weeks. Now that I've broken the seal about talking about movies, usually once I do that, I'm more consistent. So here I am, summer of movies, fucking finally. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you in the next one. Bye!